guys, welcome back to the BCM and AM podcast. Joining me today is the full staff. The Avengers have assembled. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's a scary thought. Oh, man. So I'm Zach, the host. To my right is Rodney. Hey, everybody. And across from me is Sam Haas. Hello. Next to her is Kennedy Kruger, the campus missionary. Hey, hey. So today we are tackling the awful, hard, disgusting topic of how do you deal with talking with somebody that has been burned by the church, which is not easy, but we're going to do everything we can to talk about it. So our first question to break the ice, because obviously none of us know each other at all, and we need the ice broken. <laughs> There's strangers among me. <laughs> what food have you had before you got sick? Like, what food have you had and then gotten sick that completely turned you off to that food? <laughs> goldfish. <laughs> you can't do goldfish. I, no. I think it's, I, I really think it's like the cheddar part of goldfish. Mm -hmm. But it's really like, I don't know. I ate a bunch of goldfish. This was, y'all, this was like a year and a half ago. So this recent. is like very recent. Um, but I snacked on goldfish one day while I was teaching and... Then went home and I was so sick and like had to miss the next day. It was horrible. I don't know if it was just like I had ended up with a bug, but I like connect that to the goldfish. And so now I don't really eat goldfish. Yeah. Mm, I understand. I can't really think of anything which both terrifies me and makes me <laughs> kind of feel like an Avenger. Like maybe that's my superhero. <laughs> Stomach of steel here. Stomach of steel. That's funny. Yeah. Okay. You guys are going to laugh because I'm old. And I've had a colonoscopy. So if you've ever good had cheering, one of those babies, Ronnie, good cheering. If you've ever had one of those babies, like, I'll never look at Gatorade quite the same anymore. Because <laughs> that's the poison that you drink before you clean out your system. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, you just never look at it the same after that. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Good morning. I think for me, a long time, it was Papa John's pizza. I've finally gotten over yeah. it, but... Man, I had bad acid reflux when I was growing up, and yeah. so like the tomatoes in mm -hmm. that, yep. and then I was already not feeling good, and I got a stomach bug right on top of it. It was a long time before I could do Papa John's pizza, and even now, when I think about it, I, I have to like get over it every time. Somebody's mm -hmm. like, we're having pizza. I'm like, where are we yeah. having pizza? Papa yep. John's. All right, I'll brace myself. You get up. <laughs> 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 so... This is going to get serious real quick. Have you ever been burned by the church? <laughs> I think this question is an unfair phrasing. I agree. Because I think the better thing is, have you been burned by someone in the church? Yes. And because the church is filled with people who are broken mm -hmm. and hurting and misguided, yeah, I've been hurt by people in the church. But have I been hurt by the church? I can't say that I have. And so from my perspective, I would have to say no to the way that you have phrased that question. Yeah. Wonder Twins activate. And Sam, as exact phrase that I was going to say, is like, I differentiate and think people. There are people that have hurt me in the church, um, but I have never equivalated that with my church as a whole, small C, local, or church with big C, universal. Yeah. So... I definitely think of individuals, but I, I never think of the church yeah. as having been. I think there is something to be said about like taking it apart and saying, you know, the Bible does talk about the church, but it's the people of God, not mm -hmm. like the institutionalized church. 
And I think maybe one place that you're heading with this question a little bit is people take it more personally when they're hurt by a staff member of the church, mm-hmm. yeah. a minister right. of the church, a Sunday school teacher or mm-hmm. a small group leader. They take it more personal when it's one of those representatives of the church. And so that I see a little bit more because, um, you know, often it's somebody like, the pastor, I've been on the pastor side of things, and, and people get hurt. Like maybe you didn't know somebody was sick and visit them in the hospital, and people will actually sometimes not talk to you because they're like, you didn't come visit me when I was in the hospital. And I was like, did you call the church and let us know? How were we supposed to know you were there? You know yeah. what I mean? Like So there's there's two sides to that, but often people feel wounded if it's a minister or somebody's in a leadership role that is in the church. Which is why we always challenge people who are in leadership roles to really think about it. Because that higher standard is naturally going to happen with people. They're going to have higher expectations. There's going to be a greater demand of your responsibility. And scripture tells us that. So that's why it's so important not to enter into those roles with flippancy or um, a casual air. I totally agree. And that particular question, I'm so glad that that's how... He took it because that's really what I did mean for it. Is it's phrased that way, but that's so like what people say. unfair. Yeah, it's so unfair to the situation because mm-hmm. it really is like either somebody that was having a hard day and they got it wrong that day, and because they got it wrong that day, somebody else had to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So you know, seeing that now, and and we also get to see different parts of the Bible that talk about people that are offended or people that are hurt, even by what would be deemed as God's people. You know, we'll, we'll talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament. So the Old Testament being Israel, the New Testament being, you know, the, the church as a whole, and the Christian Christian church as a whole. Um, so let's go ahead and dive in. What does the Old Testament say about being the offended party, being the victim, being the burned one? Like, not just from a place of leadership. What about from being in the shoes of the one This was hard for me because I was trying to think of circumstances, um, particularly, and one of the things that I thought of, and maybe it isn't burned by the church as much as burned by responsibility, I thought of poor Ezekiel, or not Mm. uh, Ezekiel, Elijah. When Elijah fights the prophets of Baal, he's fought the prophets of Baal, he's won extremely victorious. I mean, he saw a fire fall from heaven consume the altar, consume the sacrifice, consume the water around, all that kind of stuff. And then right after that, Jezebel's after him, and he runs away, and he says, I'm the only one who's following you, God. And if you read in that scripture passage, you'll see that God says that there's already like all these other prophets that have been hidden away in a cave. He's not the only one, but he feels like the only one because Jezebel's after him. So I think oftentimes that's how we respond to things. We feel like we're the only one, and if people are out to get us, but that's not always a realistic picture. Elijah, great leader, but he missed it there. He mm-hmm. didn't really see the full potential or the full protection that God had around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is a, a particular difficulty you face, especially as being believers, not just talking about like a non-believer walking into the church, but yeah. as a believer walking into the church? Um, it's funny, we're actually just talking about this consumeristic mindset that we have when we walk into churches a lot just a minute ago before we started recording. But um, one thing in particular that's hard with that is that we think it's all about me. 
And so if I walk into a building thinking it's all about me, it's really easy for my toes to get stepped on. And when, even in people in leadership, I'm not saying Elijah was that way, but I'm saying there was a point in which he was worn out, he was low, he was beaten. I mean, like, I, I just did a study with a bunch of people on uh, going through the story of Elijah, and one of the things, like, right before he says, I've got nothing left to give, I'm the only one left, he had just run, like, a marathon's worth of yeah. distance away yeah. from this woman. So, like, exhausted, spin out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, completely worn out kind of thing. And I think for a few other examples, like, when, also in the Old Testament, in Moses, like, when all the people are trying to revolt and say, no, I think I should be leader. It's like, that's so mm-hmm. dumb. Because, like... Which was even his sister and brother. Yeah. That's not just, yeah. you know, somebody you know. That's, like, family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And in that case, God steps in. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, they are complaining. Miriam and Aaron are complaining about Moses' leadership. The people are complaining. And actually, God steps in and defends Moses. That's mm-hmm. kind of amazing in that. Or even the... The men, is it the men of Korah? Is that the? It's like the group that rose oh, up and yeah. was like, "We should be in charge." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Well, they were kind of swallowed by the earth. That's yeah. really, again, <laughs> God, God stepped in, stepping in, <laughs> yeah. stepping in and stepping out. That was Woo! one of those situations again. God stepped in and yeah, completely swallowed them. Mm-hmm. So, mm, yeah. What do you guys think? I was thinking of um, David, and I don't really, I don't know, maybe this doesn't apply here. Correct me if it doesn't. But, like, um, when David comes into, like, Saul's court and Saul is, like, immediately kind of, like, jealous of, like, David and the Lord raising Mm -hmm. David up to take over. And then Saul pursues David. But we see, like, David's continual pursuit of the Lord. And so, though, um, like, Saul attempted to, like, kill David and push him out, the Lord continued to protect him, but David also continued to walk in obedience. That's a good one. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a good reminder for us, like, especially as believers walking into different church situations, mm-hmm. well, church as in, like, not as in the people, but as a different mm-hmm. physical church building location. Yes, thank you. Different congregations is that we're called to faithfully follow the Lord more than we're called to faithfully mm-hmm. follow the person that we see on stage. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes those look different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of why this particular question has so many nuances to it. Yeah. It's because that, that burned word can apply to so many different ways. Well, you know, as I was thinking that, I think about all the people, well, I wouldn't call it burned by the church, but turned off by the church, yeah. not because of anything that's happened in their particular life, but just what you said, like, Every time we have a pastor who falls from grace or every time we have a scandal within the church, um, there are people that fall away because, again, they don't look at that as an individual who's prone to sin. They look at that as a representative of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so when that representative of Christ falls, it lessens who Christ is in their mind. Like, part of the maturity of a spiritual believer knows that we're all fallible and we're mm-hmm. all going to fail. And that's why you can't put your hope in people. You have to put your hope in Christ. But, you know, what you said just made me think of that. There are people who are just like, well, you know, this pastor who's a mega church pastor had a moral failure. And so I'm walking away from the church mm-hmm. and I wouldn't, 
at first I've thought of that as a burned situation, but in truth it is, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. they've been let down by something that happened, mm-hmm. um, and that causes them to stray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even um, a couple different examples I was thinking of, too, are, I mean, we could just go through the Old Testament for the next hour and a half if we wanted to, but just to fire off some, Caleb and Joshua, when they come back from the Promised Land, I mean, mm-hmm. they're the two that know what's actually going on. And the other ten are like, no, we don't want to go in. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, why don't we just kill the two that don't agree with us? You know, <laughs> it's like, whoa, hold on, <laughs> that's a little hard to hear. Um, yeah. And then definitely Ezekiel. Like I know mm-hmm. you meant Elijah earlier, but I definitely think Ezekiel was as well because mm-hmm. he's having to give all these hard signs to mm-hmm. the people, and they're like, we don't like you, weird guy. Stop laying in the road and eating food that was cooked <laughs> in poop. You know. <laughs> but. Ezekiel's a yeah, weird book. Yeah, that would book. turn me off to the It church. would, but <laughs> <laughs> Ezekiel's a weird book anyway. Um, like you said, Elijah, Jeremiah as well, mm-hmm. he had a hard word to say, and people kept throwing him in pits and beating him up, you know? Yeah, oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I think to some extent, we kind of see the Old Testament paint a picture of we see the brokenness of people. Mm-hmm. And so we are coming with unrealistic expectations to the church when we say I'm coming in here hoping to never be hurt and never be injured Mm -hmm. by anybody in leadership. And it's like, they're just as messed up as you are. Mm -hmm. They just have found the one that heals, you know? Mm -hmm. So like I said, we can go on and on about the old Testament, but in the new Testament, what are some examples of that same thing? know if this kind of qualifies but one of the places that i thought of were when there were complaints about how they were taking care of the widows in the early church Mm. and so Mm. the hellenistic uh folks did not feel like that they were being treated as well the gentile folks did not feel like they were being treated as well as the jewish folks who were part of the church and so there was a complaint and they went to the leaders of the church they complained and uh, to solve that issue, the church handled it very well. They prayed about it, and then they picked people to take care of the problem. They picked people to address it. And ironically, or in God's provision, the people that they picked were actually people from the offended group. So it's mm-hmm. basically like said, hey, you've been offended, so we're going to put you in charge of making sure that all the widows get taken mm-hmm. care of, and you're going to make sure that you take care of those that you feel like have been overlooked. So that's one story I feel like where the church had a little bit of a rough spell and had to do that. Another one uh, to that would be um, when Peter and Paul had a little falling out, mm-hmm. uh, Paul and Barnabas. There's some stuff there, but what we mm-hmm. see in you know the, the story of Paul and Barnabas particularly is there was reconciliation later. The scripture doesn't address that particular grievance, but what we see is later they're together again. So we know somehow there's been healing. Yeah. that they're together again. Mm-hmm. And the same with Peter and Paul. When Paul corrects Peter, mm-hmm. Peter doesn't just walk out of the church. I'm sure he was hurt emotionally, but he and Paul continue to do ministry together and speak highly of one another in other instances. Yeah. I'm sure there's like many more that we can dig into. I want to make sure that we also say, like, this is not us saying just get over it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that wouldn't be received very well, I think. Yeah. Um, but there are certain things that are surface level that will let it offend us. Mm-hmm. 
And there are some things that are a lot more serious that are like that more letting offend us. True. Like you said about the whole like taking care of widows thing, that's not a surface level issue. That's mm-hmm. like a this well, is something we've been called to do. Yeah, if you want to get hard with this, I mean there are people in our churches who've been sexually abused by other people in the church. That is not easy to get over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is a serious, serious grievance. And so, uh, yeah, we can't be flippant about this. There are things that are deeply disturbing mm-hmm. that happen even in churches. Paul addresses that in Second Corinthians 10. He says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Ooh. So it is no surprise that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. And so the reality is... A person saying they're a follower of Christ and their actions being despicable and what was it? Uh, Satan? <laughs> um, <laughs> it's going to correspond to their deeds. So that's 2 Corinthians 10. That's verses uh, 13, 14, and 15 if you want to check out that reference. The reality is that exists. Yeah, That exists in our churches. And we are naive and ignorant to think it doesn't. But we're also naive and ignorant to not separate those from Mm -hmm. Christ's bride, the church, as well. Yeah. I had somebody explain it really well the other day. They said um, the way that the enemy will attack Mm -hmm. the the world in general is that we often think like, oh, he's going to go and he's going to rally up the non-believers and he's going to get... And it's like, it's not... That's not the point. They're already in the lost category so who does he have to get from them it's like of course he's going to come and attack the people of god mm-hmm. it's like saying i can't beat up the bully so i'm going to kick his children <laughs> you know like, yeah. it's awful but that's what it is mm-hmm. um but yeah sorry a little left wing there but <laughs> with the new testament stuff i i I think it just it paints a picture of exactly what we've been talking about. Like there are there are people that have done awful things. There are and and we're not excusing that by any means. We're not mm-hmm. saying that at all. There are certain things that take time to heal from. Um, but a lot of this question is addressed toward how can we be a catalyst to make this not happen again? Mm-hmm. I think to some extent there is a there is no way to completely make the gospel cushiony. If that makes sense, like yeah. it, it will offend at some point, mm-hmm. but there's also a way to say, how do we mitigate the amount of things that fall into that category of completely offensive that are there? And so I feel like that's a lot of what these student questions that we got addressed is that they address more of the higher up, like this person has been deeply wounded. Mm-hmm. How do we deal with that rather mm-hmm. than the Try and get over it. Yeah, I, I think of two things too. When we're talking about being offended by the church, the gospel itself is offensive. Yeah. The mm-hmm. gospel starts with uh, we are sinners <laughs> and we fall short of the glory of God. So when we're talking about lost people who are coming to the church, like the church is offensive as a whole because one of the first premises is you're a sinner. Yeah. Right. And so. I say that that's different. It's a very different circumstance when you are a believer and you you have been a part of a church, but you have been wounded and you, you walk away from the church, even believing in God and even accepting the gospel. And so 
that's two kind of different categories, I think. And even the scripture addresses it that way. Oftentimes, it's like uh, in Matthew, you know, when you when you have a problem with a brother, go and tell the brother mm-hmm. where you feel like you have been wronged. And it even says in some translations that where you've been sinned against. Mm-hmm. In the hopes that he would repent of his sin against you. But, you know, in a, in a circumstance where you feel like, somebody maybe feels like it isn't sin or something like that and mm-hmm. it, it gets hard because part of the gospel is repentance and forgiveness mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff like that and reconciliation so if you don't have a concept of that to begin with yeah then this whole being reconciled with the church can be virtually impossible to mm-hmm. a certain degree like we can't please people that are outside of the church but all that being said there is still sin that happens in the church, mm-hmm. and that looks very bad on Christ mm-hmm. to a lost world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was talking to one or two of the students about this earlier today, and, and they were saying this is so hard to talk, even talk about like trying to heal with somebody from mm-hmm. this because especially how the culture has informed this cancel culture type ethic right now is that we'll – um, without even realizing it, we'll just write something off. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm done with that. Yeah. And I feel like that's what a lot of people do with mm-hmm. church as a whole. Like, because somebody did something wrong, they immediately are like, ah, I'm done with that stuff. You know? And that's so hard to hear. But at the same time, yeah. this, we're trying to speak into a space where cancel has substituted out reconciliation for cancel. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like we're... And, and as believers, we can't be doing that because right. a lot of it is believers on believers. It's not mm-hmm. the yeah. other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, let's dive into the student questions. So the first one, because we're off, obviously doing softball today, the first one is how do you talk to somebody burned by the church over an LGBTQ issue? And I feel like a lot of the last episode we did with Kent Bateman about this dealt a lot with it, so I would encourage Please go listen to that. But I still wanted to touch on it because mm-hmm. students are saying it. Gosh, it's, this is one of those things where it's far easier to say than it is to do. Mm-hmm. And we are terrible about that. Um, but where I'm going to go is the Bible says Christ ordered us that the church would be known for its love for one another. Mm-hmm. That we would be known for our love, not for our hatred, not for our judgmentalism. Not even for our self-righteousness, mm-hmm. but that the church will be known for its love. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think we have to begin there. And I will say that all people don't show love in the same ways. And all people don't receive love in the same ways. And circumstance dictates often what you can view and see. kind of, I guess in a way, saying some people within the church are not going to show love to anybody of that community. It's going to be very much judgment. Mm -hmm. But there are individuals and there are people that understand and can walk alongside and can love in a way that you can receive and understand. Mm -hmm. So I I say don't don't give up because of a person or don't give up because of a few people, but instead... Continue to see Christ, and I think you will find other believers that will be more welcoming. 
I would agree with that. I think also, um, just kind of like when walking through that with a student who has been burned by the church in that area, um, reminding them that like one or two or even a small handful of individuals do not represent like the God of the Bible. Um, because like the God of the Bible we see is merciful and gracious and loving and he is just, um, but like he does not hate them because of like that one thing. Like we all have sin in our lives. And so I think I would bring them back to like the central thing that like this, like one thing is not what separates you from God, but it is all of your sin combined and it is all of my sin combined. Um, and then taking them back to, like, Jesus died on the cross to bridge that gap between us and God. And he offers us freedom from that. Um, and so I think, like, just reminding them that, like, who the God of the Bible is and taking them back to Scripture is a really solid place to start. Well, and the reminder that I would gently offer is that just because you don't hear what you want to hear doesn't mean that people are trying to burn you. Mm-hmm. Love is truth. Mm-hmm. And I love you best when I speak God's truth over you. Mm-hmm. Not my truth. My truth is pitiful. Mm-hmm. But I would be gentle in that conversation to remind them that my greatest love comes in truth Mm -hmm. and just because you don't like the reality of God's truth doesn't mean that I'm trying to burn you per se Mm -hmm. so being generous and loving and humble and gracious in the midst of that is really important but I can't just tell you what you want to hear because I'm afraid of hurting your feelings yeah Mm -hmm. It's just not my ultimate goal to make you feel good. Mm -hmm. So it has to be just very careful um, because I I can see in myself times where I want to throw a hissy fit because I don't hear what I want to hear in my life. And I'm not just talking about from the church. It can be from friends. It can be from family. It can be from my own husband. But I have to slow myself down and go, do I just not like the answer or is this being burned? Yeah. I guess is what I would be careful to clarify there. Yeah. I totally agree. I think, um, especially in like a practical sense, like going in with that filter is so important because if, if we don't, like it's so easy for us to get offended by things, especially if we're conscientious of the fact, like, Hey, I'm going into a hard conversation. I'm going into something that somebody's toes will get stepped on at some point. Mm -hmm. And there was something that um, a pastor said that we had talked to a while back, uh, Matt Paris. He said, when I'm going into a hard conversation that we're probably going to argue over something, it's more important that I'm a peacemaker when I walk in there. Because I can't control anything that they experience or anything that they feel. Mm -hmm. But I can be the peace of Jesus in the conversation. Mm-hmm. to ensure that we can have another conversation after that. I've kind of held on to that because I was like, that's that's genuinely good. Like, it's something mm-hmm. we can run with. And especially in a conversation that can get, for lack of a better word, volatile over mm-hmm. an issue like this. Um, 
I think it's so important. Uh, some of the more practical things that I had thought of too were like, listen first, mm-hmm. don't fix first. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's a pretty big mm-hmm. problem. One of the students said, "Can you say something about like, it's not our job to like say, hey, you need to be straight. It's mm-hmm. it's our job to say, let's talk about Jesus mm-hmm. and how His love is displayed in exactly mm-hmm. the things that you're saying." Um, one of the things is that oftentimes in this particular topic. Um, students can feel, and Christians as a whole can feel like they have to brandish the sword mm-hmm. and get the, you know, I need to put my breastplate of righteousness on, <laughs> right? Um, and that's not right. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes we confuse that First Peter verse that talks about defending our faith, and mm-hmm. we say that God needs defending, and that's not true. God doesn't need defending. Mm-hmm. It talks about having a reason for the hope that you have. That's your testimony. Mm-hmm. Being able to defend your testimony mm-hmm. about the Lord, not who He is, mm-hmm. and so we don't have to go into these conversations weaponized and mm-hmm. ready to rock. You know, something that Sam said that I like so much was this humble approach. It's this: we don't come in high and mighty; we come in gentle and lowly, mm-hmm. as Jesus did. So, like we said, we're just going to touch on that one. The next one, just as hard to talk about. <laughs> um, how do you talk to somebody that's been? "Quote unquote," burned by the church over a racial injustice issue, and I realize in releasing this episode now, especially in Knoxville, this is not the easiest thing to address. Mm-hmm. And so, we do want to say that we are very aware of the climate that is going on, especially over in the Austin mm-hmm. East community, and our hearts are going out to them as well. But how would you guys address this particular question that students are asking? This one is really tough, and and again, this may be hard to hear, but in our society, politically, we've aligned last question with this question, but in my mind, these are not the same things. Uh, One is um, uh, labeled as sin, the other is not, and so like what I think we um, need to do in that circumstance is like we need to repent. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. the church needs to repent of how we have treated other people. Mm-hmm. And in that circumstance, you know, it, it is, again, one of those situations where it's better maybe to listen, mm-hmm. maybe better to apologize mm-hmm. for your own and self-examine yourself mm-hmm. for your own um, racial prejudices and other things that you carry out. Um, so, I, you know, like... We need to we need to often pray before we speak on either of these issues. I would say we need to yeah. pray before yeah. we speak because our gut reaction may not be the proper reaction or response. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just be honest. The church has not always handled this well. Like some mm-hmm. people say, the yeah, most segregated time is you know eleven o'clock on a Sunday morning. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way, there's some truth to that. Um, and, of course, we use excuses for a lot of this stuff. For a whole lot of this stuff, we'll use excuses and say, well, it's about worship styles, and it's about this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, those things play into it. We're human. But when it boils right down to it, we should be um, loving of all men and women mm-hmm. created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. We have to be. I think, you know, sometimes with it in with this kind of conversation um I try to be a really good listener 
but I also try to be really careful to not make them responsible for my education about this. Mm. I think oftentimes we expect a, 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 a victim of these circumstances to then educate me on how I should stop doing it. Mm. And that's, in no other realm would we be like, oh, this horrible thing happened to you? Tell me how that shouldn't have happened. Like, yeah. that's our responsibility, and especially as a person of privilege, my responsibility to, to educate myself on that. Of course, if they're willing, I'll hear and listen. But I think sometimes we're like, oh, that's happening? You, as a victim of that, tell me how I should fix that. Yeah. So I'm putting the burden on the person who's burdened? Yeah. Where, where is that there? So I think one of my big things when these um, conversations have happened I've been so grateful for a willingness to share it with me, mm-hmm. a vulnerability to process it out with me. And then um, I always say something along the lines of, if you're willing or if you have something immediately that comes to mind that might be of benefit that I can help do right now, I'd love to hear it. But if not, please know that that responsibility does not lie on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I think I have been very guilty of saying, like, how, how can you teach mm-hmm. me about this? Because if it's affecting you and I'm not seeing it, then show me how to do it. Mm-hmm. But I love that you said that because it, it makes me think, like, we wouldn't ask a car crash victim to say, how would you not get in a car crash the next time? Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't say, somebody that has been abused, how would you not be ab- abused next time? You're mm-hmm. like, what kind of a question is that? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Well, that's almost, it's almost turning it out to make it their fault. Like, how would you avoid being abused next time? Yeah. That's not your fault, mm-hmm. right? So then, like, asking them for a solution to, like, a problem that they're dealing with is, like, almost making it out to be their fault. And it's not their fault. It's that, like, we are sinful humans. Yeah. And we oftentimes just don't represent the Lord well. Um, but whenever I was first asked this question, the first thing that I thought of was how God has created humanity in his own image and he is not just the god of america but he is the god of the nations Mm -hmm. and he has a heart for the nations and we see this cover to cover in scripture um that he loves the nations and he is daily drawing people to himself and that was just encouraging um to me as i like i thought about this and i thought of like if i were in a situation where someone had come to me and they told me that they were burned um quote-unquote burned by the church over like racial injustice that like I would need to take them back to scripture and remind them of who they are in Christ because I think like your identity being found in Jesus is more of like that's that's your hope like that's what you cling to and then like from that like dealing with the situation but I know like from like me, like I would take them back to scripture and remind them of like whose they are and who created them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I think seeing it from a image of God standpoint is it, it makes it a lot easier to get off of a common ground at that mm-hmm. point. Because we're not just saying, Okay, take me where you are and it's mm-hmm. like that's that's not a very easy thing. It's like, Well, I'm gonna take you where I am and it's like that's insensitive. So like, we gotta find common ground somewhere to mm-hmm. build from. Um, now, you know, some practical things, like Rodney already said, listen, that's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. In a very loud culture, it's very hard for us to listen. Um, love them by understanding that they have been actually really hurt. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of times I think we can say, oh, it's just another bad person, um, instead of affirming that they actually have been hurt mm-hmm. and hearing where their hurt came from and not just immediately justifying whatever the problem is, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we said already, God doesn't need defending. <laughs> um, it's usually a broken person that has done this, not the Lord. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't need defending. You just need to hear out where their problem is, what what's going on, where the hurt was. Speaking of defending makes me think, too, of the fact that as followers of Christ, we often are called to stand in the gap and defend mm-hmm. yeah. our brothers and sisters who are being hurt. And that goes for all of these. I think yeah. a wise Christian can, can stand up for people that are oppressed or people that are being hurt or other mm-hmm. things like that and defend them. Uh, till they don't have to do that themselves. That mm-hmm. your actions speak very loud when you're able to do that. Um, you know, so I think oftentimes that is one of the things that we neglect to do. Yeah. Um, I know there's also some age uh, that create that is created in this. Like, yeah. honestly, our parents' generation is a little bit different culture than our generation. Even your generation is a college yeah. student. And so, like, gently reminding those people in our family and other things like that that, hey, that is not appropriate language mm-hmm. or, hey, that is mm-hmm. not that is not being received well. Yeah. Like, you need to change. And so lovingly standing in the gap and defending people, I think, means a lot. And um, when people see you're doing that on yeah. a regular basis, that says a whole lot about welcoming mm-hmm. them yeah. into a, a, a fellowship. Sam, you had, I can't remember it now, but you quoted a Bible verse like jokingly to, to me a couple days ago. That's great. About this. And, um, but it was like a, it was a perfect like bow tie of the whole thing. And I can't remember if it was in Micah or Malachi. So it was, um, you can correct me when you think of it. Um, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Mm-hmm. Micah 6 8. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I couldn't think of the reference to say I was life. thinking about that for our it's next podcast. What is God's will for my life? And I was like, good, just quote this Bible verse and be done. Done. <laughs> Check. <laughs> so that's why. But I think, you know, often we quote that as something to say to somebody else instead of taking it in. Right. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Because like you said, there is this action that we get to take. It says do justice. It doesn't mm-hmm. say cheer for justice. It doesn't say watch justice happen. Pray for justice. You know, I love people who are like, hear my prayers. I'm like, good. You know, move your feet. <laughs> Use your mouth. You know? So, I think one of the things I think of is if someone is telling you about hurts, no matter what situation, if it's coming from LGBTQ+, if it's coming from um, social injustice, if it's coming from... Never make excuses on behalf of the person who hurts. Like, yeah. that, in that yeah. moment, they don't need you to be like, well, I'm sure they didn't mean it that way. Or, well, they were just raised like that. Tell me the contribution you're hoping to make from the statements like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So please don't make excuses in the moment as someone is sharing their heartache. You know they don't mean it like that. It doesn't matter what they mean. That person was wounded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That wound is valid. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's that's a little soapbox that I get on. I like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think one of the things that, just to kind of tie this question up and move to the next one, I, I hear you guys saying this. So I'll just articulate it, is that um, 
And all these things, we need to think about how our words are received, not just how they leave our mouths. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think <laughs> in a lot of these things, we can say good intentioned things, never thinking about how they're going to land on somebody else's ears, and they end up doing more damage than, than helping. Or even taking that person at, like out of your life, potentially, because you are, you've been given this unique position to love on this person while out of the image of God, and now they've pretty much written you off. And it's not because you said one thing wrong. I don't want you to hear, like, you're going to say one thing wrong, and it's going to be all over. Mm-hmm. It's a series of things, right? It's an attitude we have to be consciously aware of. But one, we have two more questions, or student questions. This one is kind of a catch-22 question, but we're still going to do it. <laughs> um, what slash how can we unburn someone? That was how the student phrased it, so that's how I wanted to ask it. How can we unburn someone? Or avoid burning people in the future. <coughs> okay, I have an answer for this. <laughs> Kennedy was uh, cranking the, the wheel to get excited. Well, I read it. No, that's not it. I read it, and I was like, I can't unburn someone. Like, I can't do that. When you, okay, when you put your hand on a hot stove, you can't, you can't take that back. Like, the mm-hmm. stove has already burned you, right? Um. However, thankfully, we have nice scientists and doctors who have created medicine and solutions for that burn, right? And so I think, like, a wound that comes from the church and this burning that comes from the church, um, I can't take that burn away as much as I want to. Like, I, I want to be the one to do it, and I can't do it, but I can so diligently and so faithfully walk alongside someone um, back to the one who can heal that wound, who can um, put medicine on that burn, right? Like, I can walk them back to Jesus, and ultimately it's going to be um, us as the church representing Jesus in the way that we are called to represent Jesus. And, y'all, I will be the first one to say it. I fell at this. Like, I do not always represent Jesus well. Um, and that is, like, that's not okay. Like, that's not what we're supposed to do. Mm. Like, we are not supposed to be poor representatives of Christ. Um, So, like, I can do my best leaning into the Lord and by His guidance walk them back to Him and walk them back to Scripture and continue to pray for them and show them that, like, who has hurt them and what has hurt them is not a representative of, like, not a good representative of who God is. Mm. Um, So that's what, like... I can't, like, I can't unburn them, um, but I can take them back to the ultimate healer and the lover of their heart and the creator of their life and allow him to do the work as I, like, disciple them and as I love them and as I support them um, in whatever capacity that I get to do that, like, whatever role I get to play in their life. I just think you got to be friends. Like, I mean... Ultimately, what Kenny said is you don't provide the healing. God provides that. Yeah. Um, so I think you walk alongside people. You befriend people. Mm-hmm. You love them as best you can, like Christ would. And, you know, through time, I think God heals a lot of things. Um, but it's not your job to do that. Uh, and I think the best way to heal people is for them to have loving friends and community around them Mm -hmm. and so 
you know, there's some really tough stuff out there. Some things heal quicker than others. Mm-hmm. Others may come back, like the wounds may come back at an unknown time. You need people in your life who are going to love you regardless of what season you are in in that mm-hmm. healing process. You need people in your life who love you when it's really raw and it's just tears and emotion. Mm-hmm. And you need people in your life when it turns into anger and you want to lash out at others. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need people in your life in the good times when everything is just going fine. So I just think, you know, we can't undo things that have been done, but we can try to be the best friend and community we can to mm-hmm. anybody who's been victimized or hurt. Mm-hmm. Agreed. The three things that I listed down, I, I mean, I'll just echo what Kennedy said about we're not responsible for unburning somebody. And I, I, I love that illustration of uh, a burn victim because you really think about a burn wound, that doesn't go away easily. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that can even leave a mark that will always be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for we to think that we're going to walk in and heal that, the first things I thought of were listening is very important. <laughs> I know I've said that probably about everything that we've done, but listening is important. Like Rodney said, time, and we need to have an abundance of patience. Mm-hmm. Um, this person's not just going to say, you know what, you're right, after one conversation. you know, As much as we love that, um, hard wounds don't heal in, a, in one conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, our last question, just to kind of tie us all up, I wasn't sure where to put this one, so we just did it at the end. <laughs> I feel like we've kind of already addressed it, but because the student asked it, I wanted to make sure we got to it. It says, what do I say to convey that imperfect people don't negate a perfect God? Yeah, there's a long pause here. I just think there's so much that's wrapped up in that. Um, Usually new people, unbelievers, or new people, um, young people, The people that they see that call themselves Christians are what they know of Christ. You know, Paul said, imitate me as I try to imitate Christ. If it's too hard for you to imitate Christ, that's a big step Paul was saying. Like, yeah. that's big shoes to live up to. But, like, we have to imitate Christ as best we can because other people are looking mm-hmm. at us. I mean, the word Christian even means little Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, so if you take on that title you better be trying your best to live like Christ because you may be the only Jesus some people see. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't say that to burden people, but it's kind of like we have to live above reproach. We have mm-hmm. to do our very best. And when we goof up, because we will, we have to be willing to humble ourselves, mm-hmm. ask, for, ask and apologize, you know, and if they are not willing to forgive or forget at that point, you just have to continually humble, humble yourself. You know, I mean, that's just the bottom line. Um, because Christ did that for us. Mm-hmm. Like, you cannot be stomped on enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. we're like, I, I, asked them, I apologize. And they didn't accept my apology, so I'm not going to apologize anymore. That's, like, the wrong attitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the right attitude is, like, Christ died on a cross for you, mm-hmm. like suffered ultimate humility for you. So if we're really little Christ, we are willing to over and over again 
apologize for our imperfectness Mm -hmm. and then say, but Christ is, you know, always pointing to him, always leading to him, always showing like he is. And hopefully someday they can see and get that their faith has to be built upon Mm -hmm. him and not any of his believers throughout history, not any of his saints, as we would say in the church now, like not even, you know, great people like Billy Graham or like, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, or, you know, I mean, even some younger folks that are in that, like Francis Chan or Andy Stanley, like, all those are representatives of Christ. They're imperfect people, but Mm -hmm. we're constantly saying, hey, let's look to Christ. Let's do that. This is, in fact, the good news of the gospel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You have come to the greatest part of the gospel that none of us are sufficient, mm-hmm. yet God. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what you're seeing as a flaw is my victory, because man, don't I need that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He doesn't negate, I can't negate God, his greatness negates mine. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what's good. Mm-hmm. And so for me, if someone asks me this question, I rejoice because, boy, oh boy, doesn't it lead to the hope of my eternity. Mm-hmm. I am not negative enough to outdo or uh, undo God's infinite goodness. Yeah. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Because that is the goodness of the gospel. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think... Uh, I love that. It, I love how easy it is to, to just talk about the gospel in this because that's exactly what it is. I think you're 100% right. I, and I think oftentimes, as believers, we can get so caught up in the issue at hand. And, and that's kind of why I like us seeing all of these different issues pop up. Because we're talking about, like, what happens when leadership burns you? What happens mm-hmm. when, you know, you're a part of the LGBTQ plus community? you get burned what happens if you're dealing with racial injustice and you get burned Mm -hmm. because when we focus on one of those issues and not the heart at hand we get so tunnel visioned and we can say this is what i need to focus all my effort on this is what i need to completely fix about the church for it to be perfect and that's not that's not where we need to be sitting we need to be sitting exactly like you said sam in the heart of the gospel and saying that person's heart is now in a great place to hear this truth of the Lord, mm-hmm. of the word that he's put before us, this gospel message. Something I was talking to one of my students about earlier today, one of our students about one of my students, wow, <laughs> was that the church loves to play whack-a-mole with our problems. We hit one and another one pops up. We mm-hmm. hit another and another one pops up. And the reality is, is that why don't we just turn the game off and stop playing according to those rules, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I think of that all the time because we often, I'm a problem solver. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, anybody comes to me with a grievance, I'm going to try to solve the Mm -hmm. issue. And so many of these things, when we talk about healing and being burned and everything like that, um, you're not going to be able to solve that issue, but you can love that person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, those are kind of two different things. We don't need to always think about solving it. We often need to think about loving people through it. Yeah. All right, guys, any final thoughts as we close up? I have, like, one thing that we didn't address that I has been on my mind the whole time we're sitting through this podcast. And um, 
Sam said earlier, we don't make excuses for other people we don't. But I also want to say, like, as Christians, we are called to be apart from the world. Mm-hmm. And we're right now living in a culture that is offended and outraged by everything. Yeah. And Christians have bought into that wholeheartedly with our rage and our venting and I'm angry and I'm mad. And and I don't see biblically where there's a lot of basis for that. Yeah. And so, like, two scriptures that I kind of wanted to share um, – and they're actually Old Testament scriptures, which I, I think is kind of funny. But one, I remember getting as getting told to as a child, like the memory, and it's Proverbs 19.11, and it's the B part of that verse, but it's overlook an offense. If somebody offends you, so many times we can overlook it mm-hmm. and just say, hey, they're human. Maybe they're having a bad day. Yeah. You know, how many times do we get offended over something and it's not really important and we may just need to say, hey, they weren't on their game. Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe I didn't know what happened yeah. to them, and they made a misstep. So I love that. Proverbs nineteen eleven. Overlook an offense. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul even tells the church in Corinthians, like, stop taking your lawsuits, Christians taking your lawsuits to a secular court, because you are shaming Christ. Um, would it not be better that you were just wronged, flat out wronged, than taking this before, you know, the court, the Gentile court and trying to have them rendering a decision over mm-hmm. something in the church. Mm-hmm. The second is a, is a beautiful passage from Ecclesiastes uh, 7, 21 and 22. And it says, um, do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant um, cursing you. So in other words, like, don't listen to everything everybody says because you're going to get offended. Like, you're going to be offended. But instead... Mm-hmm. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. Mm -hmm. And so, so many times what we're mad over is stuff that we have seen in our own lives and we don't like it. And so we point it out in somebody else's life. Mm -hmm. And so I just, you know, want to say, like, I'm wrong a lot of the time. I do things that are wrong a lot of the time. If I can have a Christian spirit and forgive other people when they wrong Part of the gospel is maybe that other people, I know my Christ does, but maybe other people will forgive me when mm-hmm. I do wrong. Yeah. And so that's, you know, the heart of the gospel is, is saying, Christ forgave me for everything. Mm-hmm. Can I not forgive other people for yeah. as much as I possibly can? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not making, I don't want to be trite, and I don't want to belittle uh, anybody who's been victimized or anybody who's had a really, really hard something happen in their life, because that's true. But I do know in my life the key to healing and the key to getting over wounds is when you yourself can say, Christ forgave me of so much, I can forgive this. Mm -hmm. And then healing starts to Mm -hmm. come. So I think that's important that we say, no matter where you are, little, small, big, large, whatever, look at Christ and look at how much forgiveness is there. Pray that you can mimic that and then pray that others will give you the same grace when it's your time. Mm-hmm. And maybe for some people, this has brought into their minds places where they have been the instigator of burning someone. Yeah. I think perhaps you're listening to this and an experience came to your mind, a conversation that you were not humble, a conversation maybe you weren't gentle. Um, it's never too late to um, seek restitution and um, apologize, yeah. you know. <laughs> Remember, you're not responsible for someone forgiving you, but I do think there's a personal responsibility to seeking um, restitution and, and owning your mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, we as a BCM are not perfect. Rodney and I have had many a hard conversations where we're like, 
maybe we didn't handle this the best. We need to go to that student. Let's talk to them. Let's own where we misstepped and say, no, our heart is always to see where we are flawed individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, ask for forgiveness um, and learn from it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, maybe the BCM is a place where you've been hurt. Maybe a campus ministry is a place where you've been hurt. Um, I believe it because sometimes I make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, we hope that that does not become the legacy mm-hmm. of what you see Christ to be. And if it is, have a conversation. Please don't sit in solitude with your hurt um, and allow that to become the only narrative of Christ in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, Please come and seek. Seek us out. Seek out others um, and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Please don't sit alone in your hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that we're ending on that because I think it's Francis Schaeffer. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm terrible at references. But <laughs> one of them, one of the quotes that he says is, um, we should be learning the gospel daily and continually beating ourselves over the head with it because we so quickly forget something about the gospel that we so need in every aspect of our lives. Mm-hmm. And so coming to this need for forgiveness and a need to forgive, I would love that to be the, the ending note with this. So guys, thank you so much for helping me out with the podcast. I know this is a time out of your day that you could be doing something else. So thank you guys for listening. Please like, subscribe, do all the things you know to do. Please review us so other people can find us. And we love you so much. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.